0: Welcome to the Raw, our Sunland AFC podcast brought to you by the Sunland Echo team. Richard Maner here, and I'm joined this week by Phil Smith. Morning. And James Copley. Good morning. As we reflect on another busy week at Sunland AFC. As the transfer window slowly ticks towards the finale on January the thirty-first at eleven pm. Uh, we're recording this at the University of Sunland ahead of Phil Parkinson's press conference this lunchtime at the Academy of Light. Um, where the Sunderland boss will be quizzed on the usual transfer and injury latest ahead of the visit of Doncaster Rovers to the Stadium Alight on Friday night. Um, so, plenty to discuss. So let's kick off with the win at MK Dons. Sunderland winning 1-0, thanks to Lyndon Gooch's superb second-half strike in front of the 4,500 travelling supporters. Um, different kind of game, obviously, than the um, couple of home wins that were really... Kind of relentless and convincing, but um, a lot of encouraging signs. Phil, would you say to kind of win that way and, and come away with an excellent one 0 win and yeah. another clean sheet?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I was I was
0: really impressed with MK Dons in the first half.
1: Um, you know, it would have been if you'd watched Sunderland's last games and what they'd done to teams in terms of the pressing and how they'd caught them out. Mm. It would have been really easy to say, look, you know, we're just going to go along. We're not going to take any risks. We're just going to try and get through the first period of the game and hope for the best. But actually they were really, really brave. They they played out from the back more than teams have done recently against Sunland. And they did it pretty well. I thought the um defensive midfielder Jordan Houghton was uh, played really, really well, was really brave in his decision making and how he used the ball and, and to be fair it caused caused Sunland a few problems. Um, you know, off off the ball they were being opened up in a way that they probably haven't been for the last kinda of, month. Um so it was really encouraging that not only were they able to get through that period, I thought the back three were, were particularly good in the first 45 minutes, not only were they able to get through that, they were able to regroup and actually find a way to deal with the solution, deal with a problem rather. And The second half was much better, not free flowing or you know hugely exciting but they had a lot more control of the ball, they got in much more dangerous positions and at the end of the 90 minutes, you have to say, they just about deserved the three points and you have to give a lot of credit both to the players. And the manager for that It was uh, a really really good A good win a, a big box ticked If you can not come close To your best But having said that Never really truly Looked like losing the game That's a good place to be in
0: I was impressed with them Kidons It's quite surprising They are where they are In the league yeah, though, Although they've had a couple Of decent results recently Yeah I mean At the start of the
1: season It looked like they had Quite a decent squad And they were, I think they were Very much expected to be kind of Um, mid-table but you know some people were talking about them as potential playoff contenders and for whatever reason they obviously had an absolutely horrendous two months where they didn't win a game but their form since Russell Martin has taken over has been much better they've had some good wins I think they beat Pompey Um, there's a couple of others who they beat as well who are kind of up and around that top six so it's obvious that the table's kind of not really a true indicator of their quality and I wouldn't be surprised if you see them finishing kind of lower mid-table rather than anywhere near the relegation spaces by the end of the season.
0: And uh, Stadium MK was impressive, we used to have less salubrious surroundings in, in League One, but um, I think it's made by the same company that made Wem- Wembley in the new Spurs stadium, so that was a nice break from the norm, it felt a little bit like the Premier League days. Yeah, it was <laughs> a l- lovely
1: ch- chicken burger beforehand, very, very <laughs> nice,
0: <laughs> cut above. And um, it, so, some of the comments from Russell Martin are interesting, right, that the Sunland players were... Sort of arguing amongst themselves after a, a bit of a frustrating first half, I guess, where and Phil Parkins alluded to it himself and he, he said he was conscious of the team sitting five, ten yards too deep. And yeah, you could see that second half. And yeah,
1: and I mean, part of that was a natural reaction. If you know, Sunderland in recent weeks have not been used to teams being able to play through their press, MK Dons to their credit were really brave and also showed a bit of quality in being able to do that. So I think it's natural then. If it's a team, you start worry that you get an overrun in midfield that you sit off a little bit. Yeah. Um. So you could tell there was a lot of frustration in the Sunderland team, but not in a, not in a destructive way. Yeah. Because for all that first half was difficult, actually John McLaughlin didn't really have a save to make. Healy had two decent kind of half chances, but even though they were frustrated and you could tell that they still had a pretty good discipline about them. Um. And that's that 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 was good to see. And and yeah, uh, really good that they could use that frustration at half-time in the right way, focus on actually working out what they were going to do about it and then coming out and executing it, that was that was really good to see.
0: And Sonnen obviously backed by 4,500 fans, which as we know isn't unusual, but um, it was interesting because they'd obviously not let any of the fans sit directly behind the goal had they? so there was a pocket of fans to the left and then there was a huge, I don't know, 3,000 3, or so in that corner, but um, the noise when Lyndon Gooch scored and the scenes uh, obviously people spilling on the pitch and... And the flare as well. Um, Made for some good pictures, although we don't condone flares here at the Sunderland. James, what was your view on the on the win? Lynn Gooch, his goal, and how... I'll come on to Lynn Gooch in a minute, but yeah, generally just on the game itself and the win.
2: Um, I'm very, very, very pleased um, as a Sunderland fan, and putting me neutral observer hat on as well. I think it's nice to see Sunderland win different types of games, because we had the two against Wickham and Lincoln where you, you blew them away. How would Sunderland react when, as Phil said, somebody could play through the press, give them a you know a few problems, be compact? You're not going to score. Did Sunderland have the minute to to react well to that and to to challenge right to the end and to keep believing in themselves enough to get a winner? Uh, and they did, so I was most pleased, and it keeps the um, it keeps the form going. We are the form team, other than Rotherham. I think that's unbeaten in seven now. So uh, really pleasing. Just to steal your thunder on Lyndon Gooch before you go on to him, I'm just having a look at his mm. um, stats. I, I haven't counted the minutes myself because I'm. Um, go
0: on, we've got time. I've got forty five minutes. I'm,
2: I'm not that thorough, but thankfully a, a website has, and he played last season in League One, um, two thousand seven hundred forty six minutes in League One. He scored eight. Sorry, he scored five goals. I think. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, five goals and got eight assists and this season he's played 1431 minutes he's got eight goals and one assist so mm. he's um flipped a bit yeah he's uh he's stepping it up and i think that's really positive and he looks like he's going to do something every game and that was a really 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 good goal a really quality goal i know he wasn't really being pressed but to to whip the ball with your left foot up and over the keeper like that it almost reminded me Completely different goals really, but the arc of the ball reminded me of when Jermaine Defoe hit the um, the volley against Newcastle, it was mm. up and over the keeper before the keeper could New really ball. do anything about it, it was uh, it was really impressive.
0: And the advertising board as well in the background delivering from outside the box yes. was, was the slogan which was nicely timed. Nice um, juxtaposition. Phil, how much potential do you think Lyndon Gooch has, and I say potential, I mean he is 24 so I suppose he's at the stage really where he, he should be kicking on and adding that consistency to his game. but. In terms of his, his quality, it's been superb at times this season.
1: Yeah, it, it has. It's, and it's interesting as well because he's matched his goal tally for, for last season already. But, of course, if you if you go and look at, at last year, he didn't score after the 22nd of January. Yeah, um. Different. So it was around this period that he had his dip. Um. I don't think that will happen for a couple of reasons. That little injury he had, you never want to see players injured and he'll have been immensely frustrated. But you do just wonder if come March-April time, Actually, that kind of month he had out of the game might work to his benefit, give him a chance to recharge his batteries a little bit. And Sunderland at the moment, looking a really good place where he's going to get an awful lot of chances. Um, And he's got great quality. If if you're two-footed, and we've seen this a lot with Gucci over the last year, if you're two-footed, it's a major weapon to have because defenders don't know how to defend against you. Um, At some point you you think that teams are going to learn the lesson and stop showing him side onto his left foot because yeah, yeah. defenders keep doing it they don't want him to go outside and then he cuts inside and bangs one into him twenty odd yards <laughs> off his left foot maybe now after a year people will start realizing he can shoot with his left foot but yeah. um hopefully not because it's certainly benefiting Sunderland. Um, but no I think he's in a he's in a really good place and like I say it's I'm sure he'll be really really conscious um of the fact that he was in a similar position this time last year. And it was really interesting. Um, Phil Potts mentioned at the game that he'd he'd actually pulled Lyndon aside mm. on the morning of the match yeah, at the hotel, it, mm. and they'd had a discussion about kind of saying you're doing brilliantly, really pleased, but don't enjoy the pats on the back. Yeah. You know, keep it going. Don't don't just be satisfied that you've had a few good games and you're getting a lot of praise. Not in a negative way, just in a kind of a um, a gentle nudge, if you like. And 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 Lyndon, someone who he cares so much about the football club, and, and I think has a huge amount of belief in his ability and I think it will probably have stung a little bit that last year finished the way it did um and hopefully you know that performance particularly in the second half because you know Gooch is, is scoring goals and that's great but he is, really is the leader in terms of the energy we've mm, talked yeah, a lot yeah. about we've talked a lot about Maguire's kind of improvements and Wyke's improvements in the in the physical things that they can do um, but for Gooch it's natural to do that he's he's a natural athlete and he's got so much running in him and he really is the leader of that press and if we talk about the second half mk dons and and kind of the extra intensity in the way they got up the pitch it was gucci who led that um so he's emerging as a real leader in Parkinson's teams if not by shouting just in in the way he can play and what he can do so i'm really hopeful um that you know that he can kick on from here and like i say it was encouraging to hear that they'd had that really constructive chat about let's not settle for this let's not be pleased and go off the boil um, and, and fingers crossed it'll, it'll keep going Just and
2: just on Gooch as well sorry Rich yeah, I but um, I remember speaking to him at the beginning of the season at a, a food bank event and as Phil said, you could tell that the way the season ended really stung but you could also tell that he was really really aware of the criticism he'd come in for in terms of not scoring yeah. and and having that poor end of the season and you could tell he was desperate to write that and I think now Honeyman's gone and, you, and you've got Catamull we are going to need leaders to step up obviously you've got Bitter in the dressing room and, and Maguire will, will have a have an importance but it's nice to have that local lad that's come through the academy yeah, yeah. that's got a weird kind of Los Angeles Irish Macam twang in his voice <laughs> that, that, that the supporters can
0: relate to and y- you see that on the pitch. Do you feel I um, just think it's a fair argument to say that he has the quality of or a level not too far off McGeady but also offers more to the overall way that the team plays? Um, I think
2: Sunderland are a bit more balanced when Gooch is in the squad. I think sometimes maybe when McGidi was on the pitch the ball tended to go through him yeah. as is more natural and Gooch wouldn't see as much of it. Yeah. Um one of the criticisms of Gooch last year was that he hung on to the ball maybe a bit too long. Yeah. I think that's something he's he's looked to adjust um and and get the pass off at the right time which is is crucial because we've seen with McGidi over the years yeah you can be devastating but if you do hold on at the ball too much
0: it can be really frustrating for the players around you as well, and that, that link-up play with Denver Hume as well down on that left is, is really blossoming, isn't it? So
2: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um... I, I felt for Denver Hume at the beginning of the season, as we say, McGeady is great, and uh, to be honest, when when um, Phil Parkinson decided to freeze him out, I, I probably wasn't in favour. But hindsight's a wonderful thing, and Denver Hume, you could say, was being, you know, had a hard gig. Yeah. playing behind McGeady in a left wing back position he had been a left back he's playing in a back five he probably needed a bit more support off his off his winger than
0: he was getting yeah um and and um and goot provides that Parkinson not afraid to make some big calls. Um just on that chat with Gucci, he said something sim- similar, didn't he, when Chris Maguire after he'd had a good run of form after um improving his fitness and stuff that you know that was the bare minimum that he expected and for him to kinda of kick on and have that consistency as well. So good management there from Parkinson. Man management.
1: Yeah, he's doing an awful lot awful lot right at the minute. Yeah. And he's had he's had some stake on this podcast, yeah. not just from fans, mm-hmm. so um you have to appreciate that. Credit to him. I mean, you know, we won't get carried away and ultimately what he's done is he's brought them back to where they were when he took over which is yeah. in a decent position to go and kick on and now it's about doing that and maintaining this and ensuring it's not just a, a kind of a purple patch if you like but he's done an awful lot of good in the last five to six weeks.
0: And just a very quick word on there, Nick Allenby as well, just while we're on the kind of fitness side of things, you did a piece today and Phil Parkinson kind of hailing the influence and impact he's had since joining the club and you can visibly see that guy.
1: Yeah I think so, look it's just a uh, there's been a lot of talk about on social media and what have you uh, about Nick Allenby, and the obvious question is, well, why why couldn't they do this at the start of the season? Did, did the staff not realise or what have you? For me, it's it's just a simple thing. It's it's investment. Mm. You know, you had a yeah a very 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 good fitness conditioning department, um, as you'd expect from a, a club of some size and the leagues it'd been in. <coughs> that was. Like, every other, like a lot of other departments stripped back a little bit. So you had some really, really good staff working there, but not too many staff. You invest money to bring in a hugely capable, hugely experienced person who realistically could have gone on to work for bigger clubs. I think Nick Allenby, <clears throat> you know, Gareth Southgate's one of his biggest fans, and I'm sure he could have gone to a bigger club, but probably one where he would have had a more reduced role and a more kind of you look after this bit and you know we've got 18 other physical staff to look after their separate things i think the reason why he stayed maybe at slightly lower level is because he has such huge amount of control over all aspects of it yeah but what i mean is if if you invest in a hugely capable and experienced person to bring added expertise to a department where you've already got a lot of talented staff you get better results and you know seems simple but there's a a lesson there isn't there There Um, and we are beginning to see that
0: Hopefully that's expanded to other areas. Um, Kyle Lafferty made his and debut last week, the club's new number eight. Uh, he was named on the bench ahead of Will Grigg, who was who travelled down. He was part of the travelling squad, but he wasn't part of the match day squad. He was seen pre-match doing a few laps of the pitch and some shuttle runs before the rest of the, um, the actual subs came out. Um, Kyle Lafferty coming on for the last, oh, I forget, 10, 15 minutes or so. Um, had one chance, just went just over the bar. I think he provided the cross didn't he, for Ozturks. uh Oh, we'll come on to Oztex to Missed chances, Phil. Soon, a um, uh, header, um, which, which he missed. Um, but decent, fairly positive uh, sub appearance from Lafferty um, for Parkinson. Obviously, saying he's not ready to start yet, but it's good that he's got that backup for for Charlie Wake.
1: Yeah, I thought he, <clears throat> I thought he was good. Um, you know, he, he, he has got a good good first touch, and that makes all the difference when you're playing the role he has. He's huge. Um, I think we all knew he was a big guy, but it's not really until you see him in the flesh that you realise yeah. what an advantage he has over most of the players. And again, it's it's kind of what we were talking about about this January transfer window. Obviously, it's way too early to tell whether Lafty will be a success, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the transfer went, window went from we have to overhaul this side to we have a decent starting eleven, and we need cover in key areas so that if we have an injury, we don't have to tear up the way we're playing. Lafty's a perfect example of that because you can see he's a great kind of foil for White. He yeah. can come on and do the same things. If White gets an injury or a suspension or he tires in a game or what have you, you can bring Lafty on. You don't have to completely tear up the way you play. He can fulfil a similar role. And that's what we want now want to see and that's the goal for Phil Partenson In this last kind of 10 days out of the window is making sure in other departments he has that so that he doesn't have to completely change the way someone play and completely tear everything up just because of one injury or suspension so way too early to kind of make any sweeping judgments etc etc but yeah definitely encouraging and it's always nice when you see a player come in make a start and you can see well I can see why they've signed him I can yeah. see why you know yeah we don't know how it's going to work out but it's nice to see a player come on the pitch make his debut and you can go oh okay I can see why what the plan is I can see yeah. what the logic is in bringing him to the football club that's that's a nice thing
0: uh, the League One promotion race, James. Yes. Is intense at the minute. Um great win for Sun last week, but they didn't really move too far up the table, given results elsewhere. Uh Rotherham leading the pack. Um how many straight wins are There, there are at least five, haven't they? They've got five straight wins. Five straight yeah. wins, yeah. Um Wickham obviously slipped up again, beaten by Peter Bryn midweek. Um Town, Coventry, Oxford, all just ahead of Sunderland, who were in sixth. 41 points, six points off top. Um, nicely placed with a with a game in hand. Though that said, they've got Pompey, Peterborough, Burton, and to a degree, Doncaster as well, who have a couple of games breathing down the necks. Obviously, Doncaster come to the stadium late tomorrow night. So that is a huge game, aren't they all? Um, <laughs> no let up in the <laughs> relentless pressure of League One is the thrall of Sunderland's great work. It's still. Fiercely competitive, and they could easily drop down <laughs> with a couple of bad results.
2: Indeed, indeed. And the team below Sunderland on the table, Portsmouth, seventh on 41 points, the same as Sunderland, they've gone deep into the Checker Trade trophy again. Oh, sorry, the leasing.com trophy, as it's now known. Yeah. Um, so Sunderland have that advantage. Sunderland are straight shooting for the league this time. There's no distractions. That's true. There's, That's no, true, there's yeah. no trip to Wembley. Yeah, I, I am slightly. There might be, con- there might be a truth when we later on. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, this is Hopefully true. I'm not. slightly concerned about Oxford United because they've strengthened. They have got George Thorne from Derby, who's had his injury problems, but is a, a very, very good midfielder. I think, especially League One, if they can keep him fit, he could be very influential. And they signed the lad from Feyenoord that we were linked with, didn't they? Uh Kelly. Kelly Liam. Was it Liam Kelly? Yeah. Yeah, he looks a, a decent player as well, a good prospect. He's going to get some minutes under his belt, so I'm slightly worried about Oxford United, but they've only got one win in their last five Coventry are doing well they've got four wins in the last five so it, yeah it really is um hotting up and Burton under Nigel Clough are, are always dangerous they've got four in the last five so a win on Friday tomorrow against Doncaster Rovers would be would be really really massive it's not the it's end certainly of the world ahead
0: of the Saturday games put a bit of more pressure yeah, definitely. on the Yeah,
2: teams uh, possibly not the end of the world if Sunderland draw or lose but just in terms of keeping that momentum up and, and keeping the squad happy. I mean, if, if results go if results go well for Sunderland, then they could finish the weekend in, in
0: fourth position. Um, signing number two arrived earlier this week. Bailey Wright coming from Bristol City um, on loan um, at this stage. Uh, and he came with rave reviews from the Bristol City end with comments from both the manager and chief executive wishing him well, saying he's an excellent character, which is... I think you've alluded to in your Q&A yesterday, Fields feels highly unusual, isn't it? for a Yeah, it, it, it
1: actually is worth stressing on because people can say, oh, well, so what? They've praised him in the official press release. Actually, the easiest thing in the world is just to say Bristol City can confirm that Bailey Wright has joined Sunderland at the end of the season. We wish him all the best. Um, we've certainly seen that statement plenty from Sunderland yeah. for, <laughs> <Yeah>. for fairly <laughs> obvious reasons. Um, but no, the fact that that tells you everything that, that they felt they wanted placed on record... Um, how sorry they were to see Bailey go, and and, and what an impact he's made. And um, again, it's just that you know no one's saying Sunderland's recruitment is perfect, and there's a huge ten days coming up, and we won't want any judgments. But I just like the fact that you know we before the window, Steve Parkin said, you know we we want to bring in a bit of championship experience, someone yeah. who's been around the block, um, someone who'll be able to bring that to the group, which is quite a young one, which is not something that's been remarked upon a huge amount. But Sunderland do have quite a young squad, um. And then you see that actually happening and you think, well that's good because you know, you can see it yeah, yeah, yeah. you can see the path. Um and I think he'll again it it's another one because Sunderland had to be patient. There were a lot of championship clubs monitoring the situation who had him on their list. So the question was, do we do another deal that we can do now in case we don't get Bailey Wright and Phil Patents said, No, let's hold out, let's be patient, he's the one we want. And it's paid off. So that, that that's good. The obvious concern is that he hasn't played a lot of first-team football this season. So, yeah. at what point can you realis- realistically expect him to be at his best? You don't know. You're kind of not too concerned because at the moment, Sunderland have four centre-rouses who are all playing pretty well. Yeah. Um, so he has got time in that sense. So yeah, it, to me, it looks a really savvy addition. That one. Um, fingers crossed it proves he, to be the case.
0: I don't think he's your kind of overlapping defender, is he? Do you think he's more cover for that? Kind I, of I think central role? I, th- I think
1: him and Aleem, it's kind of competition for that position. Yeah. I think um, because. You know, I think one of the surprises is Howish, because he's had a lot of good games for Sunderland, to be fair, but one of the players who I think has really um, grasped his opportunity under Phil Patterson has actually been Tom Flanagan, I think he really likes yeah, him, yeah, yeah. Um, and, he, and he's improved game on game, and he seems to be someone who really takes on board the manager's messages, and, and that's always a big tick, so yeah, I think he's really catapulted himself right into the manager's thoughts, so I do see Bailey Wright as competition for a lane, and uh, good luck to him there.
0: Do you, do you want to reflect on Aleem's two missed chances, Phil, or is this a little bit painful?
1: Well, I just, it, to be honest, like, it, it wasn't a big enough game for Aleem <laughs> to get his goal. Yeah. The the man knows that when the goal comes, it's going to be <laughs> in a huge moment. And what it's wasn't an Edinburgh derby, was it? It's, he's not going to f- mess about with two yard tap ins. It's going <laughs> to be spectacular and <laughs> it's going to be huge. So I know there'll be a lot of people out there panicking that Aleem hasn't got his goal yet, but yeah. my message is. Every day is just a day closer to that moment <laughs> <laughs> and when it comes, believe me it's going to be huge, we Fr- still believe
0: Friday night live on Sky, who knows um, Where next then for Sunland? Um, Phil, you expect them to make three signings or be targeting three areas at least, left wing back is cover for Denver Hulme. Um a body in the central midfield kind of cover for the max power, George Dobson first choice combo and another forward of, of some guys, whether it be a, a boys type or
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I say I expect three. I would expect two, definitely. I would definitely expect them to get a midfielder and and some kind of covering defence. I'd be stunned if they didn't do that. The forward is a little bit more up in the air, I would suggest, because it might be a little bit of shuffling. If Greg, McNulty and McGeady all stayed, would something get another forward? They might do, Um, but I'm not 100% convinced on that one. So I would be stunned if they didn't make two, a midfielder and a defender. And I would be surprised if they didn't get a forward enough, offload one or two but that's probably one where I'm not quite sure how the cards are going to fall yet.
0: Word from Edinburgh this morning was that um, Hearts were going to accelerate their attempts to sign Boyce Stendhal uh, the new well newish Hearts boss um, a big fan of Boyce and they've had a, a bit of I think around £200,000 rejected so they were going to go back in soon obviously Sunland have a, a strong interest in Boyce as well and we'll see how that develops over the next a week or so, the deadline is 11pm on the 31st of Friday night, which we're all looking forward to. Oh, yeah.
2: Wonderful, we'll love it
0: when there's such a late <laughs> deadline. <laughs> Wonderful, yeah, couldn't have been a 5 o'clock deadline on a Friday <laughs> night, it had to be 11. Um, although Phil's off down to Portsmouth the day after, so... Yeah, funny yeah, games. that's going to be some week that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll reflect on that in a couple of weeks. Um, outgoings. Um, Ethan Robson um, has obviously come back to Sonnen following a <clears throat> successful first half loan spell at Grimsby um, hasn't featured in the, the last two matchday squads although he was part of the travelling party down at MK Duns. Um I guess Son and just playing it quite savvy at the minute because obviously if he if he is part of the if he makes an appearance for Sonnen then he's only going to be able to go back on loan to Grimsby which I suppose wouldn't be a bad thing given he's done well there but um, do you expect to see him in the squad on Friday night or, or not really?
1: Um, it's difficult to tell at the moment Um I think that, yeah, it does make sense, unless you're really kind of minded that you're going to use them. there's not a huge amount of point in putting them in the squad and kind of taking those options away, Yeah. Um. the manager's been genuinely kind of upbeat about Robson and what he's seen on the training ground, but that's one thing, and throwing him into a crucial league one promotion match is another, isn't it, so yeah. we'll just have to wait and see in on that one, I genuinely don't think a decision's been made either way, I think the manager's given himself as much time as possible, but everyone at the club, you know, and I know it David Jones tweeting last week about, you know, Robson and Hamilton being back into the squad. It's I don't I don't think they're paying lip service to it. I think there yeah, is a yeah. genuine belief. Um certainly in Embleton's case, the manager's been absolutely effusive about him. So fingers crossed, but I think it's still a little bit too early to tell on Ethan just how it's gonna go.
0: we mentioned the forward options. Embleton would be another one into that kind of mix, wouldn't it, that kind of attack midfield role and I know Phil Parkinson said he would feel like he would be a new signing if he came back and
1: very, very much so. And fired. and and it's something you've got to think about when we look at the the rumours and the players at target and exact the big one <coughs> excuse me, the big one being Greg Doherty. Yeah. Um so Greg Doherty, just to kind of pose the conundrum, is a similar age to Elliot. He's got a lot of quality um and kinda of plays in a similar position, although he probably could play in centre midfield. So if you're only gonna loan Greg Doherty in for six months, is that the best thing for the football club? Yeah if you're loaning Greg Doherty with an option to buy and he's potentially someone you're going to grow over two years yeah, like yeah. you are with Elliot Emblem, then it's a complete different conversation. So these are the kind of questions that the manager's weighing up at the moment, deciding what the best thing to do is. Um, but I think there is a real desire not to block Elliot's pathway because he's got quality and, crucially, the manager thinks he's now starting to get to a position physically where he can cope with League One. So... Yeah, that he is definitely one to watch over the next few months.
0: And just on that, I think Stephen Gerrard says that Dottie still has a future at Rangers, doesn't he? And well, he wants uh, and, and this is it, it and, this,
1: and this is what I mean from the players' perspective as well. I've just mentioned it there through Sunderland's perspective, but from the players' perspective, if, if if his goal is to be a Rangers player next season, he comes to Sunderland where he's not guaranteed to start straight away. Yeah, If he goes to... I know Shrewsbury said they're not going to get him but theoretically let's say Shrewsbury he goes into the team on Saturday and he plays 90 minutes from now until the end of the season if his goal is to be in Rangers team next season that's a much better idea than coming to Sunderland if his Rangers career is finished Mm -hmm. coming to Sunderland and potentially proving himself with an option to buy might be a brilliant move so there's all these things that are at the moment kind of in yeah. play that we'll have to wait and see how they how they pan out.
0: Uh, Greg Dockney, one of several midfielders, is something have an interest in, it would be fair to say. Um, Ollie Norburn, one, potential interest. Matt Smith was another one mentioned today. Um, but no interest you understand in Will Vox. Well, I
1: just so. think it's as simple as Cardiff aren't going to let them go, and if they did, I think them know that they wouldn't get him I I think they are interested in the sense that they are aware of how good a player he is and he would fit the bill in terms of one of those two centre midfield roles but I think it's just one that we can see isn't going to happen
0: Fair enough Um, Aidan McGeady um, no further updates on that Um, Club remain confident that he will or they will be able to move him on in the next week or so but that will be a really interesting one to keep an eye on in the next week or so because if he doesn't if he doesn't stay then you've still got a very experienced player training by himself or with the 23s for the rest of the season which is far from ideal and Will Grigg, um, what you reckon on Will Grigg, uh, James? Do you think Sunderland obviously seem w- w- unwilling, I guess, to learn about another League One rival for obvious reasons? Um, do you think he would drop down to League Two short term? I think get dropping, some goals and confidence. Uh, yeah,
2: I think dropping down to League Two would be good in terms of goals and confidence. For him. I think if I the, can't imagine
0: too many Championship clubs no, aside from Wigan, not. maybe, I, I, and
2: I don't, I don't think. Um, Sunderland are too keen to loan him out to a, a divisional rival that, you know, it would be very Sunderland if um we loaned him out and he, he scored the goals that knocked us out of the playoffs so or mm. stopped us from getting promoted automatically. But I think the the Salford reported offer how much you uh, how true it is of the um paying half of his wages which would be about five thousand pounds a week, I'm led to believe, which for League Two was absolutely huge. Yeah. I think that could be the, the best deal for all parties. It it frees up some money for Sunderland. Um, and it might be the best it can hope for I doubt anybody's going to come in permanently um no. in January so it's a really Sadly enough
0: the money Sunderland would want yeah it's exactly
2: it's a really difficult one and if he comes back and he you know he, he gets ten goals or fifteen goals for in, in a decent Salford team in league two and then comes back his his stock may have risen a bit he might come back into the Sunderland team you never know or he we might find a potential suitor in the summer so I think I think the move to Salford looks like the one, the most attractive proposition for all
0: parties at the moment. Uh, Swindon obviously also linked. I think um, his, his family base isn't too far away from Swindon and Will Grigg. So we'll see what happens there. He could team up with Jack Baldwin, of course, at, uh, at Salford, who is on the loan there until the end of the season. And I guess you would have to say Jack Baldwin's career is probably over with him being out of contract in the summer. Um, just on Grigg, uh, Parkinson was kind of keen to stress how well he'd taken. The news have been dropped for the Matchday squad, um, given he hadn't kicked the ball had he for the six previous games, it was perhaps no surprise, but um, certainly had a big impact and influence in the dressing room, so it was good to hear. Um, Doncaster rovers the visitors to the Stadium of Light on Friday night, Darren Moore bringing his side. Doncaster 10th in League One, 24 games played, 37 points, so they're only four points behind Sunderland with a game in hand, and they've won three out of the last four. Although they were beaten last time out, um, how do we see it tomorrow night's game going, chaps? Uh, live on Sky It would be brilliant, wouldn't it? If Sunderland would be three 0 at half time, but would, we suspect that won't happen.
2: Would be very nice. I'm actually looking forward to a to a Sunderland game at the Stadium. Had for a while, I'm, I'm yeah, going as a dangerous, you're in dangerous. Know, uh, yeah, there. as as a fan with a with a couple of friends. So I'm looking forward to it to a nice bit of positivity around the air. And there's something. I don't know. A Friday nights a bit of a pain, but there, there is something absolutely beautiful about a big game at the stadium of light under the lights on an evening i think it's always been always been quite seductive um and hopefully they don't uh, they don't let us down which is which is again what i use the expression all the time but the most sudden thing would be for the team to let us down but even if they do as i said earlier i don't think it would be a disaster the, the green shoots of recovery are there under parkinson they've gone on a good run he's turned things around from staring down the barrel really i mean that if you consider uh Christmas time was was awful and then with the, you know, the hashtag Donald out campaign initiated by the fanzines, you know, Phil Parkinson was wedded to that in terms of they wanted him out as well. A large section of the fan base did, although they don't speak for everybody. Hmm. It must be said a lot of the comments I were hearing and uh, reading didn't think Phil Parkinson could bring it back. So to bring it back round from then yeah. to now he, he deserves immense respect and immense credit for that. And the blip
0: against Doncaster Rovers I don't think should be doom and gloom well let's hope the win uh win yeah. would take them fourth, as you mentioned james heading into the uh the saturday fixtures um peterborough got a good win as well over wickham midweek they've obviously had a rocky run of form they're a funny team out of the peterborough though phil they're kind of up and down a little bit but they did show on Tuesday night against wickham what they can produce at this level do you think they'll be sort of in and around similar kind it's, of position? it's hard isn't it?
1: They just. It- <laughs> Very inconsistent. They're almost like they're almost like a bit of a tragedy, and that it just seems to be the same story every year. You know, oh, yeah. they start absolutely electric, and then just seem to tail off. Yeah. The thing about paper is they will they will win games because they have they are so good at identifying individual talent, particularly yeah. up front. You know, yeah. they're brilliant about it, yeah, and yeah. um, you kind of looking at going, "Oh, Marcus Madison's on his way out. That's going to be a big big loss." And then they loan in um I can't pronounce his name, Sammy Smodich? Yeah, we'll go with from, that. Uh, we'll go with that, from Bristol City. He was a great player and you think, all right, okay. And yeah. the thing just moves on. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they will win games because they have Moise Smodich, yeah. <laughs> maybe, <Yeah. laughs> and and Ivan Tony, who is the best player in this division by, yeah. by some distance. So they will win games, but there's a reason why they haven't been promoted out in this league over the last few years. They haven't been able to build a team that is resilient enough over a long period of time so they will be close but they're not probably one of the teams that I'm thinking no
0: I, I really expect them to, to push on and obviously just played Doncaster a couple of weeks back um, beating them 2-1 that was the start of the, the run and the turnaround for everyone involved um, obviously two teams that'll know each other well Confidence, on confident Sonnen will make it win number five or is it going to be again a different kind of challenge tomorrow night um,
1: I'm fairly confident at the, at the moment they're playing at a level where you don't kind of worry too much about the opponent. Yeah. Um, I think Doncaster will be a lot better than they were because with the games being in such proximity, there'll be a real kind of resolve not to make the same mistakes they were pretty soft, I think, in that game. Yeah, and you would imagine they won't allow the same thing to happen again. Um, but the the groove that Sunderland are in, if if they maintain that, you know, you, you back them um, against just about every everybody at the moment. So fingers crossed that does prove to be the case.
0: Good stuff. Hopefully next week we'll be able to reflect on another win and one over Doncaster Rovers. Uh, we'll be back next week with a um, build-up to deadline day. We'll be out next Thursday again, um, as we've mentioned several times. Deadline day next Friday, uh, and that brings an end to another Raw podcast. Head to the Sun and Echo website for full details on how to listen and subscribe. Um, obviously available in all the usual places. And please like and subscribe and rate. Any feedback or questions for the team? Then please tweet them. To at Sun Echo SCFC. Uh, our thanks to the University of Sunderland. We'll be back next week with more transfer news and, as I say, all the build-up to deadline day. <laughs>